You are listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. Throughout this series, you'll hear honest conversations with inspiring people. And I am so super excited and so very grateful for my guests who have been incredibly candid about their journeys. So sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hello, everyone. Joining me today is an inspiring woman. She is a MCC accredited award-winning coach and mentor. She's an author, founder and CEO of Optimus Coach Academy and is passionate about enabling people to achieve their dreams, believing there is no one way to be successful. She is on a mission to help her clients build business they love. Please put your hands together for the absolutely fabulous Ruth Cudsey. Round of applause. Can I have that every day? I quite like that. <laughs> I think we should all have one of those, literally as we start in the morning as a kind of a cheerlead. Like, yes, let's go slam into this. <laughs> yeah, I like it. How are you? So great to see you. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Really great to be here. Excellent. And now for everybody who's listening, whereabouts are you? Are you at home at the moment or is this, you know, office or? Oh yeah, this is home. This is, this is South East London. Nice. Uh, me kidnapping one of the rooms and I haven't ever given it back as my office. <laughs> Do you know what I have to say? That's one of the things I'm very grateful about since, you know, COVID kicked in and whatever, being able to have a dedicated space to, to work in, because it does kind of change how you feel, particularly if you've got, a, you can make the space and personalize it as your own so you can get an energy and it's easier to work. It does change it. I'm, I'm forever grateful, I must say, about having space. Oh, it's, yeah, it's such a difference. And actually, I, I think it was June 2018. So I've been working for myself for 18 months. It's June 2018. I went to a, went to a, uh, like a, a day event, a mastermind type day. And they said like, what is one thing? Uh, so no, I've been working for two years, well, two and a half years. What is one thing that would make a real difference? So I was like, I need to have a dedicated space. So I literally just came home and was like, I'm having this room. Like this was, we didn't really use it that much. I'm having this room. And this is going to be my office. I got a door because it was all kind of um, free flowing. And yeah, it's been my office ever since. And the great thing is, especially in COVID, it has a door. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a really good thing in COVID. Oh, I just need to shut the door. And I'm in here. It's amazing. It's so it, it changes everything. You're very grateful. Yeah, because you can kind of, you're allowing yourself to get into that mode. I totally agree. Yeah. Now, for everybody listening, who anyone who isn't quite familiar with your good self, who is Ruth Cudsey? You had a bit of an intro there. Incredible accolade. And we'll go through your kind of life experience because I think it is rather marvellous. Who are you? How did you get to be this incredible coach and mentor that you are now? What's the journey? Because if I understand, reading your, some of your bios, there's a bit of scuba diving in there. Instruction was there. There was door-to-door sales. Yeah. It's a, a teacher, incredible teaching as well. How did you get to where you are? I think for me, so I'd always, like I'd grown up, I'd grown up, I'd grown up in a little village. So literally in my school, there were, there were five girls the same age as me. And in that environment, I'd been, you know, I'd felt really confident. I'd definitely been like a pretty big fish in a small pond. And then when I went to secondary school, I found it incredibly difficult because then there were 200 girls my age. Um, and I never really felt like I fitted in. And I never really, and it was weird. So I feel like I'd left the village. And then, so my, I wasn't kind of connected to my village friends anymore, but then I didn't really fit, didn't really fit in. And so from then I started thinking like, 
I'm different. I want to understand why I'm different and start to get into psychology. Um, when I was 16, I went to Sheffield University for a weekend, uh, a weekend or midweek. I can't remember what it was. It's quite a few years ago, uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, <laughs> and just a couple, just, just a few. few. <laughs> just few. And, I, um, and I like it was like a residential thing and went there to find out about psychology and that I was like that's it I'm hooked so psychology has always been my thing it's always been the thing that I've been really really interested in and when I went to uni four years later because it took me a while to get there uh, I studied psychology and management and then I went on to study psychology and education so it kind of dripped through everything that I did so I think that's probably the thread Um, that started it alongside this kind of entrepreneurial thread that I had about bringing people together doing events so I used to do underage parties they were they were legal they were legal (laughs) they were legal but this is like they were in a in like a nightclub in where I'm from like Buckinghamshire so they were 18s and unders they didn't sell alcohol except for 2020 oh which is alcohol yeah luckily not no, I don't think you can really get that it like a pub. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a little bit like, you know, maybe something you might use to strip paint off a wall. <laughs> like a nice sweet flavor <laughs> to it. Lovely. Definitely what the teens of uh teens of Barks needed. So then I had this entrepreneurial thing. It was very much always for me about bringing people together. And like most people, I didn't have a clue really what I wanted to do. So I went to university. I'd done door-to-door sales before that uh, in Australia, which was definitely my worst ever job. <laughs> definitely. with a ma- they, they basically gave you a massive bag and then said, right, you need to go and sell this. Oh. And it was really substandard, uh, fake Aboriginal yeah. art. I mean, oh God, brilliant. Uh, like kind of 40 degrees and you're this innocent English person who's yeah wasn't the best so I did that I'd worked in sales as well I did quite a lot of work in sales and then I went to uni and then I did the scuba diving afterwards so it does all kind of make sense and then I came back to London had no money and started working in recruitment for a while uh thinking that money was going to be the answer um mm. you know uh, loads of money spent it all on designer shoes champagne taxis I'm not really sure Pretz as well I think (laughs) (laughs) and then lived in New York had all this thing uh you know 25 years old living in New York you know wearing designer clothes getting taxis everywhere drinking champagne like and I just felt really lonely and really miserable Mm. and I had my first is this it moment see I can just bring it all in together I had my first is this it moment and thought I'm actually not motivated by money. I thought I was motivated by money because I had to pay off like massive bills um, from traveling and uni, but that doesn't motivate me. That isn't enough. Um, So of course, what do I do? Well, I think, well, I want to help people. I'll be a teacher. My mom was a teacher and I grew up thinking I will never be a teacher. So I then went into education for 12 years And I think like anything I do in life, I just kind of go all in. And so when I went into education, I only worked in inner city deprived areas. 
So right. in London, I actually worked in Brighton for a bit as well. But I always worked in schools where people would be like, where do you work? And you say that, like, and they have that face. I can't even do that face. Like sucking on a lemon, looking slightly scared face. They weren't scary places. I mean, they were challenging places mm-hmm. for many reasons. Um, and I kind of loved teaching. I did love teaching, but I always had this thing in my head that I wanted to be a life coach. And I always had this thought that I had to be older. And also I didn't yeah. know what I was going to do about this. I had to be American. So I'm not, oh. I, I was always a bit stuck on that one because I was like, okay, right. All of the life coaches that I see kind of anywhere. And I don't even know who these people were are always an American and they kind of have that phone and they're, they're like round their phone. It's like a proper phone. Shall oh. I just keep talking? Please. I'm loving yeah, it. Carry I'm on. It's brilliant. Yeah. And then, and then I still wasn't really sure what to do. I've been a consultant, had been doing really well in school. I was like, oh, I'm going to apply to sing to be a head teacher because I don't know what to do. So you know, not knowing what to do, I'm going to go, in, I'm going to be a head teacher of a really challenging school because obviously, you know, that's what you do when you don't know what to do. Mm. So I applied for this training and got in. And then the first day they were like, so on this program, you get a coach. And then they talked about what coaching really was. And, uh, and I was like, oh, wow, I could do this. And then I was like, oh, but I, I'll need to be a head teacher first. So I then was a deputy and an assistant head, still doing loads of coaching. I, I went on to do leadership coaching for the organization that had given me leadership coaching. Um, you know, did various things like the Samaritans, which I know you're not allowed, you're not meant to say when you've done it, but I'm just going to say um, lots of various different kind of coaching, mentoring, different things, did lots of training and kept thinking, oh yeah, I'd love to do that. And I kind of was, you know, always pushing, you know, yeah, I'll do that in a few years. I'll do that in a few years. I knew because even at you know, I was, I was deputy head at 32, I think. And mm. I knew that that, like, there was no way I was going to be there at 60 doing that role. I mean, I was pretty much close to burnout at 32. And, um, and then, and I was like, oh, I'll do it in the future. I'll do it in the future. I had my first daughter, had like, you know, got a few clients, but wasn't really doing it, was doing everything for free. And then, when I became on, on my daughter's first birthday, we had a meeting and I said, would it be okay if I leave, if I don't come to the staff meeting today because it's my daughter's first birthday and I come in a bit late tomorrow because it's her first day at nursery. Um, and at that time I was in charge of the cover, all of the operations of the school, which is, mm. I was really bad at. I don't know why they put me in charge of that. And, uh, and they said, no. And I just <gasps> I said some words which I've just said in my head, which I would try would would have a lot of beeps in and would change the way that we um change the rating of the podcast. Yeah, obviously didn't say that out loud. Went home and was like, "That's it. I have to leave. I'm not. I can't do this." So I knew that I was then going to do something different, and obviously I knew coaching was going to be involved in it, and I had no idea what that was going to look like, and then. I became pregnant with my second daughter and I just thought I've now got a window of opportunity because I've got another maternity leave. I've already done one um, 
Yeah, I love that. I've already done one. Done one. <laughs> like, I like, I've done one. I've done one. And my first one was like, you know, sitting around drinking Prosecco with my friends half the time. Obviously, we were caring for the children too. The children absolutely. Absolutely. Parenting 101. Yeah. No children were harmed. <laughs> yeah, but I've done all of those classes where you have to sing and do all of that stuff. Yeah. Great. Because you're basically driving yourself crazy at home. You might as well be with other people who are completely sleep deprived, shaking them crazy together. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah. So then in, I, I got my first client in April, 2016 and started building a coaching business. I was doing confidence and career coaching and that's really when it started. So that was when I was like, okay, this is going to be it. This is, this is what I'm going to do. I obviously told no, well, I told about five people, I never said to people, I'm going to leave my job. I just felt it inside. So five and a half years later, yeah, I've done pretty well. I've done pretty well. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got to say, there's, I mean, there's so much richness in what you've just delivered there. First off, what struck me, and I wrote down here, everything that you've experienced and what you've gone through and actually all the learned stuff that you've, you, you know, you've gone out of your way to experience things, teach yourself, understand, and actually procure, you know, procure and, and develop and evolve that way. It's so rich and diverse, everything that you've experienced. And also, I mean, what really resonated with me is when you said when you were in the States, you had this money, you were living what some might say was an absolutely incredible lifestyle, but it wasn't fulfilling you. I was just so unhappy. And I was like, you know, at the time, it was sex in the city time. I think it's yeah. come out again, hasn't it? I, I think so. You're right. Yeah, I saw something the other day on the telly. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, again. But it was like that kind of time, you know, like you lit. And I lived in the West Village. I lived in this like, you know, what everyone would like to live in New York. And it was great. But I literally had like two friends. My flatmates were lovely guys. They were investment bankers and they had no days off. So occasionally, mm. like I probably see them like once or twice a week and they were lovely and we go out for drinks or dinner, but they were just working to the bone. And I was lonely and mm. I was like, <laughs> and we were also building a recruitment business in financial services. And this was what, 2002, 2003. And that really wasn't the best time to be working in financial services in New York. It, all of my friends were like, wow, you're there and we're here. And I was just, I would do anything. But it's not, yeah. Isn't that fascinating? And I think actually that's a, a huge thing to take out of this because now you're effectively living the dream, isn't it? In terms of actually what it is your heart's desire. And I'd love for us to explore that a bit more because there is Optimus Coaching Academy and you've just recently rebranded that, haven't you? Is yeah, that right? So, yeah. It used to be called the really, really imaginative Hoodsy <laughs> Coach Academy. Actually, when it first started, it didn't even have a name. But I was like, okay, well, I just need to call it something. Um, so it was called Hoodsy Coach Academy for a while. I can't even think how long. Over a year. And then my husband basically convinced me to change the name to Optimus. Um, Optimus means best. So I love that. And it's from Latin. Okay. Yeah, Latin. lovely. He studied Latin at uni. So he was like, he convinced me to change it. I changed it. And it, to be honest, in a way, it's like a great, it's a massive relief for me mm. because it's not so much about me. It's about everyone. And even that I, I find some elements of everything being about you really uncomfortable. Like, Yes, it's I can do a live on on social media. I can do all of that, but there's it, there's something nice about having a like what I would say like a business which has got 
more depth than you. You don't feel like, well, I do feel a bit like I'm paying you know, quite a lot of people's wages, but you don't feel, <laughs> you don't feel as much that it's about that personal brand and that you have to share everything. And that feels, that feels like a nice place to be. And it also, because it's bigger, you know, you can have more impact. You know, people in my team are developing leadership programs and working with corporates. I don't ever really want to do that. I wouldn't mm. mind going in and doing sales meetings for corporates because I love sales and I love doing that. I don't want to be in there delivering. I want to be in my house. Yeah. But my, we're about to move. So in my garden office at my new house. Um, <gasps> but it's, yeah, I know. Lovely. Yeah, that's where I want to be. I don't want to be doing this, but actually we can still do that and have the impact and someone else can deliver. So for me, it means that, yeah, it just, it just feels like a much nicer place to be. I love that. And also as well, it kind of can stand on its own two feet then to a degree because folk will be naturally buying into you as Ruth Cudsey because there's the trust, like, and no situation there and obviously buying into you. But then it's a, it's a kind of brand on its own that then can deliver, as you say, more and bigger than, and then where you sit with it, which is quite incredible. What was it on reflection? And obviously there was different thought processes that you had listening to what you've said. Is that now the goal? Is that now the dream? Are you there or is there more? Oh, there's loads more. <laughs> My dreams just get bigger. So now I'm like, oh, okay, we're here. And we've got a really well-regarded, established coach training program, which I'm always looking to improve and make better. Then we equally have, you know, we're looking at developing an academy, which is going to be more about people who are like brand new to coaching. So giving self-coaching. Okay. We've got loads of other courses and then we're doing the corporate thing. So yeah, I'm never, and I also want to do magazines. So I'm, I, I'm oh. never, I'm never like, oh yeah, we're here. I'm like, oh, this is good. Where can we go next? <laughs> and on that then, as a woman who's clearly very driven, how do you celebrate success when you do hit milestones? What do you do? How do you celebrate that and reflect and think, yeah, we've, I've done that? How do I celebrate success? Um, I, I mean, lots of different ways. Sometimes with far too much alcohol. So <laughs> try not to do that so, so much usually we'll celebrate success like we'll do like we'll go for a nice meal we'll go for a nice walk go for a nice holiday mm. but they seem to be mainly in the UK okay, at the moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> when that maybe might end kind of like the Kent coast um which is beautiful. there's nothing against the Kent coast but maybe one day it'll be somewhere else but yeah we, we generally kind of like I, I'm I'm trying to get better at celebrating as a team I used to buy myself like things but now I'm Again, it's really weird. It's like, you know, for so many years, I was like, okay, I want to have designer stuff. Like now I'm just like, I don't really care. And it's it's like, actually, what could that money be used for? So now I, I think a lot more about investments and the future and all of that kind of stuff. So I might actually put some extra money in the ISA. Honestly, like what happens? What happened? I think that happened when I hit about 40 that I started being a bit more like, oh yeah, I'll just do this. Um, yeah, we definitely celebrate. And I have that culture of celebrating, looking at, okay, how have I been successful? And, and what have I learned as well? Because yeah. actually, even though it's really hard and we take on feedback a lot and I'm always like, I'm modeling. It's really great to get feedback. 
I'm someone who is an empath, so I take things on really personally. So when it's really great to have feedback, sometimes it's equally really hard to have feedback. Mm. Actually, do you know, I was literally about to ask you about that in terms of the hurdles that perhaps you've overcome throughout the journey or what the big ones are for you. But hearing you say that about feedback, that's really interesting because I tend to embrace it, but you're quite right. On occasion, it can kind of give you that, oh, right. And you almost have to walk away, right? Okay, how, how do I process that? <laughs> and But the, it's important to do that because actually there might be some real richness in there. What kind of big yeah. hurdles have you experienced or if you're willing to share? Oh my gosh, loads. So definitely at the beginning, uh, really and this is really honestly time so I was building my business when my daughter's gonna be five on Monday next week on Freedom Day um and she so she was basically with me the whole time and I had very limited childcare. so time was a big one um I think my own expectations of myself somebody said to me really early on like you have to apply to every social media <laughs> I'm not even joking I don't why I thought that this was this was real every social media comment within 10 minutes oh goodness I was like well I can't do it when I'm on call. so I, I used to get myself into I'd spend a lot of time on social media a lot of time comparing myself to others mm. a lot of time like thinking that everyone had the answer and they didn't I think as I've grown yeah f- like taking on feedback um that is like definitely a work in progress uh, and realizing like what is mine and what isn't mine because energetically because I know I'm an empath and I take stuff on I have to often kind of just take myself out of situations because I want to be liked as well mm. and sometimes you have to you have to step away from that because the biggest thing and this is the only way that you grow is team but actually it's not only team what I realized for ages is that I was building a business and getting people to come on board to support me, but giving myself no time to manage them and lead them. And actually, you can't lead and grow a team unless you dedicate time. So when I was a deputy head, I taught 10 hours a week instead of 25 or 24 hours a week, whatever it was. But I was trying to deliver and manage my team. And I would say, in the vast majority of cases, That's why I've had an issue with team. The only other time is when I've recruited the wrong people for the wrong roles and had lots and lots of contractors who, again, have been great, but it hasn't been their priority. So that has been, I would say, over the last two years, that has been the thing. And we're we're getting there. Three Mm. new people started today. We're getting there. We're getting there. it's, It's definitely like that has been really challenging. And... Yeah, we all know that we have stress responses and we all know that we have dark and light, right? But my stress response is I get really, I'm really on disc. I'm I'm an ID, so I'm usually people and then goal. Like that's how I usually operate. But when I'm under stress, I'm just like goal and task. And so I can be like, really like, let's just get like, why hasn't that been done? And I know it about myself. And I think sometimes when you know it and you see it and you witness it, you're wincing. You're like, okay, right. So I have to reduce that down because it's not nice for other people. And I think really appreciating, um, really having that self-awareness and Mm. that self-awareness grows. And 
Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not as good a leader as I want to be. I'm not. But I'm on at, at least I've got the awareness and I'm working. Yeah. Do you know, and that's really marvellous, Ruth, as well, actually, listening to you say that, and I'm sure folk would take a huge amount of inspiration. You're incredibly open and candid about it as well. And that's actually beautiful because when we can all see somebody who openly admits, oh, do you know what? Yeah, I'm working on that. I could do better. There's areas with me, I'm the same. And in fact, when you mentioned about the stress, yeah, I go into detail when I'm stressed as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all about people to begin with, but then when, and I recognize it and I'm like, no, nope, okay, I've got to go for a walk or something. Yeah, yeah just you're do like, something. You're like wait, when you're nitpicking something like that, you're yeah. like, mm. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, that's not, it's not good for anyone, is it's it? It's not good for anybody, yeah, everybody involved. And, but that's really wonderful that you're open and, and candid and you can see it. So it's really fantastic. So dialing back to something you just mentioned in terms of, I mean, you're transitioning throughout your life and you're growing. I've got a couple of questions for you from folk within your community. I thought I'd ask out um, uh, just to jazz it up a bit, if you like. And Katie Walton, um, who, who you'll be familiar with. I asked her if she had anything she wanted to ask you. And this kind of links in very well. She'd love to know more about your transition, stepping away from being Ruth the coach and into Ruth the CEO. And there's three parts to this. Okay. What mindset shifts did you need to make? How did you get more comfortable with the increased visibility, which you've kind of mentioned mm-hmm. um, that you've had over the past few years? And how do you balance it all? So it kind of knits in quite okay. nicely. So mindset shifts that movement away from having to do everything. Um, and also I think that that real honesty about modeling, um, modeling behaviors. So yeah, and, and it's interesting because I was reflecting on this this morning. And I was thinking like, I want to do an exercise with my team about how we work best because I really want us to start thinking about the best ways that we work. Um, then the second Increase visibility. Increase visibility. I mean, because that's a biggie, because that's putting yourself out there, which you mentioned already, yeah. And I guess for me, I mean, I I still have a lot of blocks around visibility. Like, I'm getting better and better. But I think think that it's easier to go out as a CEO than to go out as a coach because it's less personal. So I'm promoting the product rather than me being the product. So I found that so much easier and that mindset shift. I'm promoting the service that we provide, not myself. That's definitely been a massive improve, a massive, massive thing for me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I like that a lot. And then the, the final bit on the balancing, I really like that actually. Balance. I mean, this is kind of a work in progress. So this is a work in progress. And I think I would lie if I said that everything was great. I mean, today I'm doing a podcast now and like I still I've still got I've still got a four-year-old and a six-year-old nearly five and six um yeah, we've we actually have had a couple of weeks where it hasn't been that balanced because my husband was in Ghana and then he was self-isolating uh, which meant he couldn't do any drop-offs or pickups for about nearly three weeks which was challenging so usually part of the balance is that I've got a husband who helps out. I've got a husband who does drop-offs and pickups and I get it wrong. Yeah. You know, the balancing is definitely, I'm always working on that. Like, and you know, I, I have times and I'm really good and I'm like up at six and go to the gym, but I haven't been feeling that recently. And I do think that for me, it's about kind of feeling into how I'm feeling and what I need. Mm. So I don't have the answer to that one. 
I'll, when I get the answer, Casey, I'll let you know. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. And do you know what? That we've just had a new moon, haven't we? So I think there's yeah. a whole energy kind of shift in the air as well, anyway. And I, I was trying to release a lot on Friday and, you know, consciously with intention. Okay, what do I need to get rid of? Because much like you, um, my wife works at our school, our, our son's school, actually. Oh. And when that whole came about, the idea was, Brilliant. That gives a bit of flexibility because you can then take them to school yeah. and maybe be with you for a while and then you can bring them home. But then COVID hit. So there's bubbles and she's not able to do that anymore. So I've been doing the school run to and from every day. <laughs> she's not able to. No, because of the bubbles, because they're not supposed to mix because they're different age groups and the year groups and whatnot. So it's been it, it's counterproductive because but she's going to this. Them at, she sees them at home. Yeah. No, honestly, I oh know. Yeah, we've, okay. we've, we've yeah. spoken about this a bit. Yeah. I bet you've spoken about that at length. <laughs> this makes but sense. The, yeah, but the same as well. She was self-isolating recently. So it's that change, isn't it? It's adjusting the mindset. It's how you operate and then still trying to bring in the balance. So yeah. I think yeah, it is a work in progress. I, I'm totally with you. Um, okay, I've got another great question um, from somebody who's now in your new cohort. It's studying at your academy at the um, Optimist. Sorry, forgive me. Kerry Walgrove, she asks... What drives Ruth? And also, does she have some new does she have advice for your new recruits in coaching? What would that be? So what kind of advice would you give them who have just taken up the course? Okay, so what drives me? I think I'm re- I, I am driven by impact. So impact more than income. And when I say impact, it's like seeing that I'm actually making a difference. And I know that there's part of my ego in there, but that's why I liked teaching. That's why I like training. I like seeing that I can help people like get their answers and make a difference. And I I, I like achieving. I like getting results. Um, so yeah, for me, yeah, that impact and that results. And, you know, I never in a million years thought that I was going to have a business that was like, you know, all of that that was as successful as it is. But what I realized the more I do, it's like, I love this, but that wasn't ever my master plan. And um, I I, I never had a master plan. I don't ever have five, like five year visions. I've got no idea. I'm just like, yeah. that just that isn't just how I don't I don't operate like that and people find that really funny but yeah I don't like look ahead and be like I'm like I want to do all of these things but I don't think oh like this is going to be whatever and then advice I would just say enjoy and trust the process so it's really interesting because we go we do um we do coach we take them through a series in the coach training. We, we kind of do the introduction, then we do grow. And then we do, then we like basically deconstruct grow. And we only teach them grow at the beginning because if you're a brand new coach, that's a structure. And people are like, oh, but we're really open. Like, look, we'll teach you this as a model. So I'm just like, be open, absorb it, test it, see what works for you. You know, come out, come in with no judgment. And remember that the biggest learning is when when things don't work out yeah it's the hardest yes and as you say go with the flow actually be open to a change in something or you know bring in different information through to you yeah no I'm with you I love that brilliant Kerry and Katie I hope that answers your question um beautifully rich thank you very much now you mentioned right at the start of the podcast um you said this is it is this it rather sorry forgive me is this it which is the title of your book Yes, it is. Title of my first book. I say that like my first book. My second book has been, <laughs> hasn't been as easy to write. But yeah, 
my first book, which was published in 2018. How was that process for you? Because again, that's a like new venture, isn't it? So you've gone from, you know, all of that beautiful journey to then becoming an author as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was so I, I was the teen and the kid who had like I loved magazines. I still love magazines. I had, you know, everything and I loved it. And I was sort of incredibly glamorous. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, basically, I mean, nobody, nobody where I grew up wore any of those clothes or anything or had those amazing stories. So it was, I didn't really think that I could write a book. And then I met this book coach called Jess Killingly, uh, who became, has become a good friend. And she's like, well, why don't you try? So we, we wrote that book. Um, and it's quite funny because you, the thing about writing a book is that you write a book and that book is fine. I'm, oh, yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but then like, I wouldn't, I like now I wouldn't say I'm happy with it, but I was then because okay. you change and evolve but people still read it like people still read it all the time and I'm always shocked I had a man and he's like yeah I've read your book so I know that I wasn't really your ideal client um but yeah I read it and I really liked it and I think at that time it's what really resonated with me that feeling that you're like okay I'm getting up I'm going to work I'm coming home I'm getting up I'm going to work I'm coming home um obviously we don't do this as much in the pandemic I'm getting up I'm going downstairs I'm going upstairs but it was it was like is this actually my purpose and what what is this all there is is this what it is is it as as Jack Nicholson would say he was in that film wasn't it is it is it as good as it gets yes yeah and I I was like no this isn't Mm. as good as it gets This, this isn't it there's so much more so that's where it came from writing I said at the beginning to you, you can send it to me, but I'll never listen back to it. So that's basically me. So I will, I will write stuff. I will do stuff, but I'm not, and I've never been an editor, even when, you know, doing massive dissertations and stuff. Um, I used to be like, oh, well, that's fine. Like, I'm not the person who reads through stuff in exams, which has got me into trouble before. <laughs> so, so writing it was actually fine. Yeah reading through it and revising it oh gosh that stuff's painful that stuff is painful yeah I feel you I totally feel you because I'm I'm a bit like that there's there's the input isn't it it's the creative content there's the excitement that's great I don't now want to revisit that and check it and you know fine tune it and all the rest of it yeah I remember that actually I've repeated myself 10 times I don't want to do that I just want to think (laughs) that it's great um yeah, and I've definitely felt that in the second in the second time. So I'm writing a second book. It's taken me two years now. Um, however, hopefully we're going to get a book deal for that one. The other one was self-published. If we don't get a book deal, we'll self-publish. I'm not I'm not that ego driven. Although I would quite like to get a book deal. But you know, I'm I'm really open. But yeah, that that has been much harder. And I think as well because of the last experience, I'm like I liked it. I didn't love it. Did I mm. do the best job that I could do? Mm. Could I, I could have done a bit better. Mm-hmm. And so then I've put this amazing pressure on myself, which other people may be able to relate to. Uh, I put this amazing pressure on myself for it to be, you know, super, super good. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've um, interviewed a few authors before in the past. And actually, I mean, I take my hat off because I think when you create something, particularly if it's a work of fiction, but also if you're, you know, your own story and, uh, and learnings, mm you're putting yourself out there for people to critique. So it's incredibly 
admirable, I think, to, to release that. Like, not only are you sharing, but there is that kind of feedback that you get. And then, as you say, it's then the pressure to perform and do better. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, how athletes do it. Well, like, yeah, I was just thinking exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah. I mean, especially because of when we're recording this. Um, and it's really interesting because you re- you hear lots of authors, you know, so Donna Tart, who's written, for me, some of the best book, like contemporary books, you know, she's like, I never thought I'd be able to write a book that was better than the secret history. And then she wrote The Goldfinch, and that was also really well critically acclaimed. And I don't think she's written anything after that. And you can get it. Yeah. You know, when they say it's like the one hit wonders. Yeah. We've got this great record, or we've got this great book, and then, okay, so you have to replicate that and make it better. Better, yeah. So yeah, much pressure. You can see why people are like, oh yeah, maybe I'll do something else. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe this... I just won't do that after all. <laughs> thanks very much. This has been so marvelous, so rich, so beautiful, so um, very natural, and very open and honest. It's really, it's quite marvelous. It's a unique quality, and thank you very much for sharing. Um, I'm going to ask you just a couple of fun questions because I used to do this when I started my podcast three years or so ago and then I took it out and it occurred to me do you know what I'm going to bring some personality back in do you use emojis when you do emails or texts or whatever I don't really do them on emails but I do them a lot on I on whatsapp with my friends loads of <laughs> what's your most used emoji oh it's definitely like the face on the side the laughing face Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Love it. Good, good, good. And then what's something interesting about you that not many people will know? What can you share? Okay. So I used to be a dancer in Ibiza, but I am probably, I have no rhythm, but I did used to be a dancer in Ibiza. (laughs) Is there any video footage anywhere? Luckily not. I'm not. (laughs) Luckily not. This is a great thing about being pre-social media. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this is stuff we can forget about like yeah. literally forget yeah. about can, yeah I'll tell you, that. <laughs> tell you think that was me <laughs> yeah long time ago okay so rich thank you so much to close it out people listening and thinking maybe they want to make a change to their life what kind of advice would you do bearing in mind you've you've created some amazing things and you've gone through an incredible journey how to get them thinking about maybe a first step to making change so I would like, so really for me, that is connecting into what you want that change to look like. So the first thing that I would do is I would sit down and either, depending on what works for you, either write down or voice record or draw a picture of what you want your life to be like, what you want to be different. So you can start connecting into that vision. When you do that, you stimulate something called PEAs, which is called positive emotional. I can never remember what the A stands for. They're not green peas. They are things. And that can help you think more clearly. And then I would I would, I would think about reverse engineering it. Okay, so if I want to be there, what's the first thing? Maybe it's just speaking. Maybe, maybe it's doing some research on the internet. Maybe it's speaking to someone. So then you can have some kind of plan. And we all know that plans, that pl- a plan or strategy, as people like to call it, to make it sound posh. It's literally you writing down what you, what you can do to give you some kind of structure so you can start somewhere. And then that plan can be flexible. Brilliant. Beautifully articulated. There you go. There's some great knowledge. I'm right there for you. <laughs> Ruth, thank you so much. Where can everybody find you? If they're curious now about, you know, your academy, coaching generally, a bit more about you, how, how's best to get in contact with you? Okay, so my... 
I'm called Ruth Kudzi, K-U-D-Z-I. So search it anywhere you can find me. And the business is called Optimus Coach Academy, optimuscoachacademy.com. Again, we've got Facebook and Insta and LinkedIn for that too. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me. This has really been magic. I've got such a smile. When we both came on to record this, we both were reflecting on, well, this will be out later, but England played um, Italy last night. So you can imagine how we're feeling today. But I've got such a smile now. This I know. Is magic. I, I need this every time I'm feeling bad. Okay, fine. Schedule it in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for joining me, Ruth. Thank you. And thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Look after yourself. Keep well. You have been listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. For all information related to my guests, please check the show notes. And if you wish to continue the conversation with us, please hashtag Life Stories on all social channels. If you enjoyed this show, please pop over to seizetheday.simplecast.com where you'll find my other shows. If you're interested to know any more about coaching, please visit me at nmscoaching.co.uk where you'll also find details of the latest workshops I am running. Thank you so much for listening. 